Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode of Dwell is brought to you by The Daily Gathering, a 30-minute online meeting for children of all ages. Depending on where you live, it can be either a beautiful start to the morning or a restful pause before midday. Each gathering, the host, Larissa Kraft, reads a story, a poem, or a fable. And the gatherings will also include opening and closing prayers, classical music and artwork, Bible verse recitations, and a discussion. The focus of each gathering is to bring truth, goodness, and beauty into your homes through the telling of timeless tales. If you'd like to learn more about The Daily Gathering, just head over to searcyinstitute.com slash dailygathering. Again, that's searcyinstitute.com slash dailygathering. And welcome to Dwell, a Searcy Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hello, ladies. Good afternoon. Hi, Emily and Karen. All right. So in our conversation last time, we talked about habits in our own selves as moms, and we offered a few definitions of what a habit is and what it looks like to create these habits for ourselves. That word itself, habit, is a very old word, and it has a root word that means clothing. So that's why in this day and age, we might refer to a nun's habit or a writing habit, as that's the clothes that nuns and equestrians wear. Karen shared this quote from last week by Ann Voskamp, which says, a habit is how we wear our days. So there's this sense of putting on, of dressing ourselves or adorning ourselves, you might say, with either the virtues or the vices, as we know. And I think of Paul saying to the Romans, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think of how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That requires hard action. It's the putting on, it's the clothing. And last time we mentioned some ways that we as moms can do this in our lifelong pilgrimage towards home. But what about our kids? And what responsibility do we have as mothers, as educators, as guides on the journey. 
how can we encourage them to put on habits of a whole and healthy life? And then let's talk about this. What happens when they don't? Or when they decide to take off habits that we've worked so hard to instill in them? And then maybe the main hope here is to ask, what is our end goal in acquiring these habits and why are they important? So let's go back to Charlotte Mason here as homeschool mamas. Charlotte Mason mentions that the three main habits that she hoped to take on and to instill in her students are the habits of attention, obedience, and truthfulness. So today, ladies, let's walk through a little bit on the ages and stages of acquiring habits, maybe from birth to adulthood with our kids. And maybe first off, I just love to hear from you. What did when maybe when your kids were younger, what did habit training look like? And maybe this, how did you decide what habits mattered and what habits didn't? And, and I will say we've done it both ways. I mean, I, we had some probably pretty chaotic years at our house, but I remember one time hearing a quote, the, something like this, what does this look like if one kid does it? Yeah, you know, you might be able to live with it. What does it look like if five kids do it? That would be a disaster. So I would ask myself that question. If one kid leaves their shoes on the floor, eh, it's not a big deal. If all five kids are leaving their shoes on the floor, we've got a, we've got a problem. So just by sheer volume of the number of people in our house, habit training looked like how can we live together and function as a family in such a way that promotes the health and happiness of all of us with the least amount of you know stress and effort knowing that it's very stressful to live in a horribly messy house. And it's also stressful to try to be like the mom who's a drill sergeant. And I didn't want to do that either. A lot of habits revolved around just family functioning. So things like eating and cleaning up after ourselves and cooking and doing laundry and keeping rooms clean. I would say this, that's the same, the same for us. Um, we also had five kids in eight years. And so the potential for chaos was great. And I always uh, tried to keep the chaos and the craziness to a minimum. And I would try to teach them things as we went along, you know, like where their clothes go. These drawers are for these clothes and these, these containers are for Legos. And, and I tried to do all of those physical things and teach them how to do them, where to put them, toothbrushes, toothbrushes, please put your toothbrush here, don't leave it all over the sink. But I'll also say that habit training was thought one of the hardest things about parenting for me. And I've, I've thought often about why, why that is. And I think part of it is that we had a lot of kids fast. And so they're all growing up together. And sometimes I was multitasking to such a degree that I didn't take the time to teach a particular child a particular skill repeatedly. Very often it was just easier for me to run around like a crazy woman and, and do it all myself. And I look back on that and go, oh, I should have been more deliberate sometimes to teach one child the one task or, you know, maybe a couple of them the one task repeatedly and consistently so that um, that would have relieved me of a lot of stress. If I could go back and do it all again, 
think I would be more deliberate about that and, and try to be more patient about it as well, because, you know, it really is easier to do things yourself quicker, faster. I can do it right now. I can do it in, I can do this in five seconds. Why would I take three minutes to show you? So that, and it, and it does seem like that brings up the thought of our purpose behind teaching habits in that at some point, as Renee mentioned, at some point you say, what is for just the, the functioning of our home? If one person leaves their shoes out versus if five people do. So we, we definitely need to habit train for the sake of family function. That's like a really practical reason to habit train in that we don't just live in a pig side. So maybe that's like a, there's a pragmatic side to habit training but then I think there's also the purposeful side of habit training for that particular person and for their life. And we've talked about this in other areas, the begin with the end in mind. And this, I am just going to have to share this because I, this is something that I came across this week. And anytime I just get on thinking about something, I just feel like I have to tell people. I've just been contemplating this idea of the ordinary life. And habits are a very mundane and ordinary thing. That's how we wear our days, right? It's just the, it's the waking up, it's the going to sleep, it's whatever happens during the day. And that's the habits of our life. So it's contemplating that word ordinary in that we just live in this society that says, don't, don't be ordinary, be extraordinary, do something different. And I think we've kind of mentioned that a little bit before. Of what does it look like to live an ordinary life? And I love etymology. So it's like, hey, what is what is that word anyway? So I kind of like poked around a little bit with it and discovered that the word ordinary, of, of course, this makes sense, you Latin people. Of course, the word ordinary comes from the Latin word ordo, which is means well-ordered, right? So an ordinary life is a well-ordered life. Think like St. Augustine, like our, the well-ordered loves and how much of an ordinary life is how we wear our days. So it is actually a purposeful and meaningful work to be ordinary. Just have an ordinary life, which is a well-ordered life. A well-ordered life comes about through our habits and how we wear our days. And so I was just kind of contemplating, yes, some of it is for function, but some of it is for your soul health as well. And Karen, I think that's what I'm hearing you say a little bit. And that's why you wanted to work particularly with certain children, not just so your home is well run, but for their selves to be well ordered. Well, and I, I, I think that if we take our eyes off of that, and if our eyes are only on the mess, then we want mass cleaned up for our own sense of peace to the extent that we're willing to put ourselves out there and do it all ourselves because I've got to have it clean right now. And if you live in that place, then you wear yourself out and you're not thinking of, we need to make this place orderly and beautiful. Well, not even beautiful. Let's just say clean. Um, Fair. So, <laughs> so, that, so that our children grow into that behavior, activity, and desire on their own, not just so that for these hours, the rest of the hours of the day, I don't have to look at all your mess. So I'm just going to clean it all up. 
and I'm going to be grumpy while I do it. So everybody better get out of the way. Or you can say, all right, hey, everybody, look around. This place is a mess. Let's take 20 minutes and put on some music and clean it. Right. And it's a completely different mindset that alters your own. Yeah, Renee, can you, um, we were just chatting to this earlier. Can you speak to the idea that you mentioned earlier of a mom's responsibility then to put things in place to make habit learning easy? You kind of talked about like, that it's just not difficult. Yeah. So I think it's, it's wonderful if we can, as moms do the homework a little bit behind the scenes in order to put things in place so that our children have an easier time learning what it is that we want them to learn. I mean, I love the verse. I think it's Philippians, you know, God has prepared good works beforehand so that we can walk in them. And that idea that our heavenly father is working behind the scenes for our good to all almost set the table for us so that when it's time for us to dig in and do the work, he's really set the stage for us to do that. And so Karen mentioned earlier, the Legos go in this box, right? So we have a box for the Legos. So our kids, if we tell them to clean their room, they're not faced with this insurmountable task of, I don't know where to start, but they have boxes for certain toys or they have shelves for certain things, or they know that their clothes go in this drawer. And we've worked behind the scenes to help them and to put those structures in place. Um, I think um, my daughter, when she was teaching her kids to make their bed, they um, got some kind of a wonderful bed making, I don't know, coverlet sheet system that was much easier for the kids to make. Instead of struggling with a sheet and a comforter and a blanket, it was like a one piece thing that they just pulled from bottom to top and poof, the bed was made, right? So it was something that they were capable of doing and um, it really worked well well for them. So sometimes I think we just need as moms to think about what what are the things that I need to put in place first that will make this habit easier for my child to grasp. Um, and that reminds me, since I've just mentioned a resource that I don't know the name of, <laughs> whatever that bed making brilliant thing was, um, I'm going to go ahead and mention our Facebook page. And uh, some of y'all have... Um, found our Facebook group for the Dwell podcast and you've joined and we want to say welcome. We're so glad to have you and we look forward to welcoming more of you. So if you'd love to join our Facebook page, please do find us and, and request to join. And it's a wonderful place where we can do things like share these resources and, and encourage one another. And we've already got some great conversations started. So please, please help us continue those conversations where we can do things like talk about habit charts or chore systems or, or things that we put in place. Yeah, somebody you. on there already asked about having, you know, uh, her five-year-old has a meltdown when it's time to make bed. And, you know, and I commented that that uh, bed making is a perfect chore for a five-year-old because um, you know what it's supposed to look like when you're done. It doesn't take long and it's not as, as overwhelming as clean up the whole room, you know, and it's something that mom and child can do together, you know, and it doesn't have to be, a big deal and it lasts them you know even jordan peterson talks in his 12 rules for life one of them is make your bed make your bed yeah and I, I i even commented too one of the things that um i hate doing as a mom one of my least favorite chores was emptying the dishwasher but once i set a timer and realized that this horrible chore that i dread every day only takes like five minutes it was like oh I feel kind of dumb now for being so upset about something that only takes five minutes out of my day. <laughs> so you know, I hate doing it too. 
Is and I, I do it as fast as I can, like a challenge. Yes, yes. But I also <laughs> I know, find I it hate really... doing it too, and that's why I have my kids do it. <laughs> we have kids. <laughs> yeah, they need to move back home. <laughs> see our kids' personalities as they grow and develop. I mean, I've got a couple of really artsy kids, and so they can clean a room, and and they make it look beautiful because they've got that eye for what looks good. You know, I've got another one of my kids who is a perfectionist who loves to check things off list. And that child can clean a room very well, too, because check things off the list. You know, got another one who is more independently minded and, and more do life at, at, at your pace. And so given the time to do it, given enough time, it will be done beautifully. But on that child's timetable, not mine. <laughs> So some of it is just learning the personality quirks of our kids and learning how they're wired, which is so fun. You know, we're homeschool. We live with them. We know what they're like. And um, kind of we can tailor things a little bit to accommodate their, their personalities and their quirks. But um, I will also say habit training fail. Um, Karen, you mentioned stepping in and just doing it for them. And I, I'm guilty of that as well. I had one who would not get up out of bed when the alarm went off. And I probably woke that child up too many times. And uh, I wish I had let some of those consequences happen while they were still at home and instead, you know, go off to college and almost miss the team bus and get benched from the game or, or be late for work and almost get fired kind of thing. And, but you know, those real life consequences that that child no longer has a problem with getting up on time. (laughs) eventually it did kick in well and I I think that speaks to creating motivations for your kids and Karen you mentioned this earlier of um, having praying for wisdom on this of do we have reward as a motivation or is there discipline as a motivation and sometimes you go one direction and sometimes you go another direction as far as like what will motivate them and actually um, Charlotte Mason does mention in her habits training of having conversations of why this matters. Why is this a big deal? Why is this habit important? Whether it is brushing your teeth or emptying the dishwasher. Um, or I, I have a child who's, um, we've really been working on study skills in that just kind of letting some of the schoolwork go and talking about like, this is why it matters to you as a person. Okay. Practically, what are we going to do now? What is going to be some motivation um, I'll throw out there. We just, as far as like keeping the house neat, that is a really big deal to me. Um, my house is never perfectly clean for sure. And we have just, we recently instituted, this is kind of a common one zones. Everybody has a zone and the zone never changes. You always have the same. So there's like a safety in that. And like, they always know what to expect. You have the living room, you have the library, you have the dining room. Um, but there is, and we did say, at the end of the school year, we'll take a day trip. So we're going to take a day trip as a family um, if we can keep up on on this. And, you know, we're a weekend. So far, so good. It's, yeah, semi, it's mostly neat. But I just, and, and I think there's a place for that too. And I want to ask, I, I actually just kind of want to be upfront and ask you this question. Those of you who have teenagers, I want to hear from your story a little bit. And you mentioned this a little bit, Renee, in the whole like letting your kids fail what happens when you have put the years in, they brush their teeth, they make their beds, they kind of keep their room clean, they put the Legos in the right box. And, you know, you're keeping up on them with that. But then these 
um, what years am I? I'll do, well, then the teenage years come and you have some transferring going on here of they're growing in their independence. How did you decide what habits am I going to keep as they take on some bad habits? Which ones am I going to ignore at the, for the sake of our relationship? How did you walk through those kind of tenuous years of wanting to set them up for a well-ordered life, but also acknowledging that they're still on a journey as well and might adopt some bad habits during those years? I would say that that letting a habit go, quote, for the sake of a relationship is not maybe how I looked at it. You You can watch a child struggle in an area and maybe take a step back and decide, I'm not going to nag you about this. It's not that once I quit nagging, you will automatically have a wonderful relationship. It's that I'm making a choice to let you own your decisions. And that's really for the sake of your growth as a child or as a teenager. So I, I may not check your school binder and make sure it's neat and make sure the homework is there. I mean, I, I would have stopped doing that a long time ago before they were teenagers, but you know, your school habits, for example, as they got older, might be something I would be more hands off on and let them experience either the joy of learning and staying on top of things and getting things turned in on time versus the stress and heartache and panic of not being able to find a paper or not getting something turned in on time. Those are some areas where they need to experience the fruits of their decisions. And I, and I think that um, chores or habits that benefit the well-being of the family need to continue and that they don't they don't get to have a choice about that the dishwasher needs to be emptied the grass needs to be cut things need to be picked up or you know somebody it's your turn to clean the bathtub well you have to do it you don't you don't get to say you know i prefer not to do that anymore but if it's if it's an area where they have their own particular ownership over and therefore they have authority over then they can, you know, to a, to a certain degree and whatever degree you agree on, they can they can make those choices, whether it's their bedroom or as we were chatting earlier, as Rudy said, they own a car and they want to keep it like a pigsty. Well, they can do that. But if they're, you know, if they're in our car and they leave a mess in it and we ask them to clean it up, then they need to clean it up. So it kind of depends on where, you know, their own level of ownership and authority over their own space is going, where that line is drawn. And you draw that together, I think. And, and that, and when you do that kind of thing together and you have a conversation about it, it maintains the relationship. A relationship's a good word, Karen, because isn't so much of what we do just learning to live in fellowship with other human beings. And, and one of the things that's fun, you know, we're training our kids to live in fellowship and relationship with other human beings, knowing that Lord willing, they're going to grow up and leave and, and be in maybe a relationship with a spouse or future children, or maybe they're going to live in a dorm room with roommates or in an apartment with roommates. And, and how are they going to get along in those situations? Well, if you've learned how to get along and share a bathroom with siblings and you've learned to clean up after yourself, you'll be a good roommate and, and, and you'll, you'll get along with other people. So it's that whole idea that the, the child is father of the man. I had a funny, we, we laughed about it, a conversation with my son in that I said, this was a couple of years ago. I said, I'm, I am very curious in that if there's like a thread of thought in your mind that all of a sudden, when you turn 21, like 
something like magical just happens and that you all of a sudden are just going to like take out the trash without being asked or just like whatever all of the habits that we worked so hard over the years or just like sit down and do your schoolwork. So I was like, do you think like you wake up on your 21st birthday and it's like, whoa, magic just happened. So we like laughed about it because we were both like, oh, well, that obviously doesn't make any sense. And I was like, it is, you are putting the hard work in now. And like, I wanted him to see like, it's worth it. But even to this day, I'm, you know, I am learning to let things go. I'm just going to like put this out there publicly. He, uh, my son just recently decided that he would like to drink soda. We are not a soda family. Like we actually are a very healthy family. We don't drink soda. We eat healthy. We just have a healthy, like we live in Colorado, right? So we have like this healthy lifestyle, right? And he decided he likes soda and that he has a plan for how he drinks soda too. And that he is going, he buys his own, he buys his own soda. So I was like, I'm not buying you soda. And he would like to drink a soda on one on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday while he's doing his school homework because he goes to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And in my mind, I'm like, that is a terrible habit. Like drinking soda three days a week, like he's like destroying his immune system and whatever. And just, <laughs> Renee's holding up her soda can right here. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm so okay, I do drink soda on occasion too as well, but he's methodical in it. This is like a chosen habit that he is adopting. And I was like, that's okay. Like, that's fine. So we were at the store the other day and he, he buys his three 12 packs of soda. And I'm like, okay. All right. I mean, I'm not going to buy him for him, but he wants to drink his soda. So I'm like contemplating while I am like in the trenches of raising these children, transitioning to adulthood. What is, what is the most important thing, which is, you know, to love and be loved. And I guess he'll be okay drinking a soda over there. I, I'm really <laughs> impressed. I feel like he's got a plan and he's, you know, established it. And I think he'll be fine. Like I know children who <laughs> drink soda every day if they can. And when he goes to college and the soda fountain is right there, you know, and, and it's free, he'll say, oh, it's Thursday. I don't drink soda on Thursday. Um, <laughs> hopefully. I love how you tagged on hopefully. Oh, so my dog is barking. It's Matt's dog. There is so much possibility in habits as well. Well, Emily, and uh, one thing I, I'm flat, I do have my can here of Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, I love that you are not communicating to your child that your love for him depends on whether he drinks soda or not. I mean, it's not a choice you would personally make. Apparently, it's it, you know, but it's an okay thing for him to do for now. And let's face it, there are a lot of habits they could be picking up that would not be okay with us or we might not be able to take such a charitable <laughs> stance toward, but you know, our kids have to know we love them no matter what. Mm. There's nothing they can do to earn our love. There's nothing they can do to make us stop loving them. And, and I think that's, that's really the, the key here. The habits are not so that we have an easy life and it's not so that people will think we're great homeschooling moms. These are these habits that we're training our, for our kids are hopefully ways to, to love them and, to help them grow and be the people God wants them to be. It is hard work. It is tough. And I was yeah, and Karen, you oh I was just gonna share my habit training failure. Um, I will gladly own up to this and my kids 
probably have told me they, they deserve therapy for this. And I've said, fine, get a job and pay for your own therapy. Um, <laughs> they always go back to mom. Remember the time you made us wear school uniforms? <laughs> so I really thought that would just make the day so much easier if they knew what they were going to wear every morning. And so I went to Target and I bought them little pleated skirts and little khaki pants and little polo shirts. And we were going to have school uniforms. And I think it, I think the older two probably rebelled at the beginning and said, no, there's no way we're going to do this. And so I was focusing on the younger three and I, it probably lasted a week. And then the school uniforms. Week. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I know. I do just like keep, it just keeps running through my head that, and, and this has been really helpful for me that is this a habit of obedience? Is this a habit of attention? Is this a habit of truthfulness? If it's not one of it doesn't if it doesn't fall anywhere in one of those categories, you know, maybe it's not a big deal. But some of the, the habits that we have been talking about of for the well ordering of our home do fall under those. Um, and I think it's in um, a verse in Timothy that says something something to the effect that the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. And I keep coming back to that in that as I am in some ways responsible for the ordering of my home, I always say like, this is, this, it's like, this is my domain. This is my castle. And I wake up and order the day for my home in many ways. And for my children is, is my, my goal for instructing them this love for, a, from a pure heart and Lord willing with wisdom, the choices we make in habit training, draw them, draw them into, into that. And as we kind of finished with last time, at the same time, recognizing, as I often tell my kids, recognizing I am the chief of sinners as well. Yeah. So these days are, they are full of, they're full of growth. But Karen, I loved when you're like, but it's just really hard. So <laughs> do you guys just have like one, like when it gets hard, we just have like two minutes here. When it gets hard, what is your encouragement to keep going? Like, is there any way that you guys have like encouraged yourselves or friends? Like, hey, keep going. You're in the race. Um, I think one thing is when it's all overwhelming is to just break whatever it is down and do one part of it. Do one small part of it. And you can't look at either one failure on the part of your child as uh, the worst thing in the world and this child is never going to grow up and never going to make it and it's all going to be terrible. Or like right now I have, I have before me on my desk, uh, it just feels like a myriad of things involving forms and computers and documents. And it's overwhelming to me. It really is. Like I, 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 yes. And so I just have to say today, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make one phone call today. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to upload, download, whatever load I have to do to this dumb document and get it to whoever needs it. And then that's all I'm going to do. And so you kind of, you know, and that's the same thing with, with all the, all the big tasks is break it down and break, break the big things down for our children so that they can accomplish small things so that then they can accomplish bigger things. Yeah. And I would say it's just, keep our hearts right um, before the Lord. You know, those verses do not grow weary in well-doing. Reminding ourselves that God will help us to be faithful in those small things. Run to Him for help. 
get my heart right before I then turn and try to instruct my children. Yeah. So run to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. All right. Thank you, ladies. And um, here's to home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.